Welcome back to another episode of the Reformation Red Pill Podcast, where we, for your benefit and by the grace of God for your edification, dear viewer, we are outlining our journey from light roast Calvinism to dark roast historic Reformed evangelicalism with a spine. So, uh, yeah, and uh, as our faithful listeners no doubt remember, all I think we got six or seven at this point, um, as you guys will no doubt remember, we are covering doctrines and ministry philosophies every other week, but on the off week, we are doing Ask Pastor Brooks episodes. <laughs> and so our last Ask Pastor Brooks episode, our last, a- that's a tough one. It is. You got to make it Our last Ask Pastor Brooks episode, we covered uh, the objectivity of beauty. That was a fun one. Go check that out. And today we are covering biblical modesty, mm-hmm. which, you know, I thought would be a benign topic. Apparently not. <laughs> So uh, I'll get into the reason why we're covering this. We, over the holidays, I went viral on Twitter for the first time. I had gone... You did it. I had gone reformed Twitter viral Mm. before, and I thought that was big. But this is varsity level. This was varsity level. And here's the thing about going viral as a Christian. It's never good. (laughs) It's never for, like, something really nice. Right. You mean the mob doesn't, like, really like you? You 10 million pats on the back? Yeah, no, it wasn't that. It was, okay. okay. Yeah, it was not that. It was (laughs) a a level of vitriol that I I had not yet experienced. It Mm -hmm. gave me an opportunity to learn how to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me, even though I don't know if um, mean comments quite levels to persecution, (laughs) quite raises to the level of persecution. A little bit, a little little touch of persecution there. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to share that post. I'm going to share the story of what happened. And like we got, I got 8 million plus views on this one Twitter post, which uh, covered the topic of biblical modesty. So the original post was from uh, ben Zeisloft. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Um, he's an awesome guy. Go check out Ben. He's super great. I think he's Reformed Baptist. Awesome guy on Twitter. Give him a follow. He posted a meme that basically was, it's the Christian guy meme. I don't know if you've seen those, like the, the blonde beard guy yeah. meme. Anyway, <laughs> so it, the meme was a woman saying to the Christian man, men should control their lustful thoughts. Mm-hmm. And he says, yes. Amen. And then the second part of the meme was the man telling the woman, women should dress modestly. Sure. And she says, yes. And that was already going viral. That was already going big. <laughs> That's controversial. Yeah, that was controversial. Yeah. Okay. okay. And, well, that triggered... Uh, a, Our grandparents are waiting for the punchline. I know, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, you know piggybacked on that post. It just made me think of, well, of course I agree with that statement. And then I was, uh, I added an anecdote. I reposted that meme with an anecdote wherein uh, I told the story of an incredibly uncomfortable position that I was put in many years ago. I won't say where or who with or anywhere like that. Um, But I was put in an incredibly uncomfortable position where there was a woman who was dressing immodestly regularly on Sundays at our church. And it was being noticed, mm. and it was actually even being noticed by leaders in the church, it, particularly elder women in the church, who were upset about it and even pitying brothers for just wanting to come to church and worship and having this as a distraction. So it, it was being mentioned by leaders in the church, and no one talked to her about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and weeks went by, kind of kept happening. And so I genuinely pitied this 
sister in Christ, and she was my friend, but you know we weren't super close. So I uh, resolved to tell one of her good friends, who is also a sister in Christ. Uh, I told her the situation. Hey, I don't know if you've noticed this or if you're aware of this, um, but this is kind of becoming a problem. And a, more than just me, you're noticing this as an issue. And maybe you could go confront her about it lovingly, gently, just kind of point it out and call her to modesty in Sunday worship. And I thought that, you know, I thought, what could go wrong, you know? <laughs> and uh, and so what happened was is that she told this woman, not only did she tell her that I sent her, but she also said that other people are talking mm, about it. Mm. So it just heaped on embarrassment. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, truly a terrible situation yeah, all yeah. around. Um and so that put me in the incredibly uncomfortable position of now I need to address this with her because I'm the, she was just the mess she just made herself the messenger to well now I have to talk to her about mm-hmm. this. So I went and talked to her about it and it was one of the most uncomfortable conversations mm. I've ever had in my life. Uh, I was accused of body shaming at, to which I was trying to explain this is the opposite of body shaming. <laughs> this is too much body appreciation. <laughs> right, um right. and but but the reality was is I, I should not have been put in that position at all because, according to Titus 2, elder woman, women in the church should have been discipling her, should have pointed this out, should have loved her enough to address this with her. Mm-hmm. So that was my point to the post was, one, yes, women should dress modestly to go with the meme, but then, two, women and men alike, but women don't gossip about this. Address a sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. That is the loving thing, not to let her continue on doing it because it's uncomfortable to go address another person in, on this hot topic, but to lovingly address her and gently address her and call her to biblical modesty. So I, that was the post, I, that story. And oh my word, <laughs> man, within, I knew, I had a feeling that it was going to, this this one, I feel like we'll get, it'll do pretty well. <laughs> and then over the next two, it broke out of the Reformed bubble, the Reformed Christian Twitter yeah. into the wider world and just went insane. And people were you know, you uh, you know what to, you need to pluck your eyes out, man. And I was like, okay, well, you've read at least one verse in the Bible. Okay. That's a, that's um, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it went, like I said, hugely viral. And, um, this is one, sometimes you get, you go viral and it can be kind of heavy because mm. you're like, was I wrong? Everyone hates me now. Oh my goodness. But this one, I was so confident being right. I was like, I just pity all of you. You've got this so backwards. Um, But what it brought in, the reason I wanted to do an episode on it was because there was a lot of confusion about what modesty even is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had two of the main concerns that I got were um, that, uh, you know what, I'm going to pause and actually throw it over to you and say, what is, we're asking Pastor Brooks, what is biblical modesty? Mm -hmm. And if you could also introduce your lovely Bride. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, first I'll, I'll start there. Today we have the the very special privilege of having my my wife, my glory, with me, one Laura Pottinger. So, Hello. So, so thankful for you. Um, and um, I think real quick, too, just to respond to that, to, to that story, one of the first responses I have is I, I genuinely feel sorrow for that, that young lady um, because she, she got caught in the the buzzsaw of a feministic culture, and, and and here's what I mean, where even mature women who can see a way that a younger gal needs to be instructed, because 
Dignity is something that needs to be cultivated. Mm. Modesty is something that needs to be cultivated, especially in Los Angeles. Mm. When you have the entire culture against that, you right. you do need help with that. That's why the Titus 2 passage is there. But because there's so many landmines around that conversation, even mature women who notice something won't even enter into that space out of out of fear because right. they didn't have the, the, the courage to do so. Rather, they whisper about it behind closed doors. And it becomes this whole big thing that it really didn't need to. Mm. Could have just been a, a conversation over coffee. Like, hey, here's here's something to, to think about. But going back to, to your question, what what is biblical modesty? And this is one of those um, words that that's hard to, to pin down. We, we were talking even beforehand of that judge. He was talking about pornography. Um, but he said, I don't know exactly how to define it, but you know it when you see it. Right. Modesty is kind of that thing. And, and so is so is dignity. How do you define dignity? Well, the challenge there is dignity is almost a, a presence that that is felt. It, it's not a word that's defined. And But with it that, is adorned. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and then it, there's the adorning part to that, you know, right. the dignity. Right. But there we certainly can. Um, go after a definition. And and one that I've heard that I think gets at the heart of it is modesty is um, presenting yourself attractively without becoming an attraction. Mm. And like that's that. um, one of the superpowers, one of the glories of a woman is, is, their, is their beauty. Mm. And so the dignified, modest woman knows how to adorn that um, in a way that is attractive, in a way that is lovely, but is not trying to get sexual attraction on purpose. Right. Um, that's one one way to think about it. How about how would you add to that? Or well, would you? I have a thought about the situation that you found yourself in, and then you'll, you may have to remind me where mm. you went with that. Yeah, sure. But one thought I had too is pastors can really help the ladies in the church by leading the way that modesty is something that we talk about. That's good. Um, that if we never talk about adorning ourselves from the pulpit, um, it's probably going to be a little awkward if you've got yeah. the Bible lady over here going, right here it is, and you need to come into conformity with a standard that the pastor isn't setting. Mm, and so really I think, pastors, if you could give your ladies a little bit of help and just... Um, Which will take courage. Right, <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, yeah. It, but you stand on the authority of God's yeah. word and you just say, here's what the Bible says, here's how you apply it to your life, then that will give your Titus two ladies the ability and the warrant from the authority of scripture and the authority of the church mm -hmm. that um, this is how we apply this in mm. our Christian context. It's yes. really good. And so I think we, we, that we have put that as a target that we're going after. Yeah. We, right. we are longing to cultivate a modest, dignified culture, and we use words to talk about it. <laughs> well, and I've been in church long enough to know that there are strengths and weaknesses in every church context. Sure. And so I think annually, if your pastor's just running kind of a strengths and weaknesses test, what are we weak on? What are we strong on? If you're finding that you're weak on talking about how some of these more application types of mm. things, how we live our lives as Christians, then maybe beef that up. And you might just see that that is helping uh, others mature others in the body. That's really good. So that good. would be um, one thought that I had about that. And then you were talking about... How do we define modesty? Well, um, I think... We look to the scriptures, first of all, and we know kind of uh, just some general principles from the scriptures. 
Um, and then from there, I think that you do have to look at your cultural context. Like, where are you on the ground and how is how are those biblical principles being applied in your cultural context and then try to get your footing within that. And so there is some objectivity to it, but there's also some subjectivity. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're pointing out that the commenters have, have um, concerned themselves with, and maybe rightly so is there aren't bright lines. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is wonderful that there aren't bright lines. It means that we have freedom and it's difficult because it means that we have to apply wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But part of living in a, a postmodern world is one, one of the tactics of, of liberal so-called um, Christians um, or anybody who's trying to get out from under the authority of scripture right. is to say, well, that's subjective. And to think that that now saps that verse of all of its power. Yes. Um, this is the Rob Bell move. That's exactly right. All, all you do is is cast questions. Did God really say, or who's to say, without actually intending to answer that? That's that. the serpent in the garden yeah, from yeah, the very beginning. Yeah, it is, and, and so that's that happens even here as well. Well, well, modesty is subjective. Okay. Well, then we need to do the hard work of figuring out what that looks like here. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's gone now. And and that's exactly what I got in the comments. I had, I mean this. There was discussions going on for miles in the comments about that exact yeah. thing, and people really trying to absolve themselves of any responsibility to the standard because the standard, like exactly what you said, can't be nailed down to the nth degree. Right. We can't say how high should the short. They were they they thought that was a gotcha. Well, right. then how high can the shorts be? Well, then how it's it's not a gotcha. It's it's um, that's not a. A bug that's a feature of scripture mm. because the goal is wisdom, freedom. <laughs> well, wisdom yeah, and freedom, freedom, freedom. right? <laughs> but it's 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 to grow in wisdom. E even when Paul's mm. talking to to the Galatians, the the law was a tutor, the law was a, a schoolmaster, but the goal was to, was to grow up um, so that you didn't need a paint by numbers on everything you did. Exactly. Right. And after the end of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what do we get? And against such things, there is no, no law. law. Right. Mm. Like you want to replace the law in your life, then love as Jesus loved, love perfectly, right. you know, mm. display like, like, joy. Like the goal is not to not be an adulterer because you have the 10 commandments up in your living room. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the goal is yeah. to not commit adultery because you love your wife and you want generational faithfulness mm. and the blessing of God Amen. upon you. You don't need a law. Right. Of course the law is there, right. but hopefully that's not what's holding me <laughs> to mm. faithfulness to my to my wife. Well, that's the that classic line from old Dougie Dubs. The we want our children not to obey the law, but yeah, to love, love the it. law. Yeah. Right. yeah, absolutely. Laura, you touched on something that I hadn't thought of until until you said that, but the that need for courage in the pulpits to address these issues. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why in like our churches are filled with much more immodesty mm -hmm. now, even from members, mm -hmm. than would have been even conceived conceivable, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And it's because of last episode we talked about toxic winsomeness. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to avoid the hot topics. I'm going to save that for relationship until I have the relational capital. Mm -hmm. Then we might address some of the hot topics whether it was, you know, homosexuality or whatever it is, but this isn't this I realized that this is a kind of a fulcrum issue in our culture because it's like at the the heart of feminism. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a it's a strike to the blow. It or it's, it's a blow to the just the core of yeah. Feminism. I mean, it's poking it right in the eye. It really is yeah. it, to say that no, actually, women have a responsibility mm-hmm. to adorn themselves, as Scripture says, and it's it's that uh, if that two sides of the same coin. The the meme that I posted where it's like, okay, men don't lust. Yes, that's all. That's where they want to stop. Men. They want to stop. They want to say that men have all the responsibility. Women, because they've been oppressed, because you know, uh, I don't even know why. Why would you say that women are so averse in in our feministic culture? Why do they hate this idea of modesty so much? Because it really does feel like we are poking the big idol yeah. right in the eye. Well, yeah. I mean, I, it's it's because the the idol of our time is radical individualism, and so anything that constrains me at all to any standard, I reject, mm. I hate, and I have 10,000 megaphones every day from culture telling me mm. I am right to do so, right. and in fact, anybody who's who's trying to conform you to a standard or put you under authority is oppressive by definition and is to be treated with vitriol and That's resistance. Right. Which gets back to our need for courage in the pulpits. Yeah. If, if we are so winsome so as to not address the actual fundamental core level sins that our society is struggling with, yeah. wh- whether it is in feminism or the LGTV agenda and all that kind of stuff. It, the, it is the responsibility of the pastors to address that. And, right. and the reason, I believe the reason we have immodesty running rampant in our culture, I think you could probably trace it back to soft pulpits that stopped preaching against it, where you know we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be that preservative mm-hmm that prevents de- cultural decay. Yeah. But whenever the pulpits go soft, whenever the, the God's people don't take it with the seriousness right. that God treats it, well, then that we're supposed to formulate culture. Right. We're supposed to build a righteous, godly culture. That's what the gospel does. You know, it 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 generates a beautiful, robust well, I, culture. I think that's that's part of it as well. Um, to to the immature Christian, this this sounds like a frustrating hindrance when holiness is always growth and beauty. <laughs> and and you know it when you see it when when you see a a dignified woman it is a a glorious Amen. thing and so that's what God is requiring of us a a growth in glory a growth a growth in dignity. Um, well, and I, just, I just going to let you say, say something because we're going to get accused of mansplaining in the comments <laughs> big time. <laughs> not, not for me. Just I just wanted to say too, it's an unbiblical understanding of freedom. Um, freedom. The Bible understands freedom to come with the obligations, the attendant obligations of the kingdom. And so you are a free citizen of Christ when you're obeying his commands. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take on the wisdom of God, when you take on the, uh, when you take on obedience to Christ, mm. you are free. Mm. And that is a, that, that application of, you know, I'm free to be me. I'm free to dress how I want, dress to express all that stuff. It's just a misapplication. It's an unbiblical understanding of the word freedom. It's not the freedom that God has for us. That's and the irony there is that there's really there's two slaveries. That's the what the Bible mm-hmm. puts right. forward, right? right. There's right. slavery to sin and there's slavery to Christ, which means adoption into the family of God, which is freedom, which is which is right. ironically this incredible freedom. Right. Right. And so to to go because, that route because he's a good king, yeah, and he's right. a good master, right. and, and our own sinful passions are a terrible tyrants. Right. Yeah. Um, and so if you want to be free to that, you are enslaved to, to, to a terrible king. But when you come under the yoke of Christ, you are a servant, a slave of, 
of the most wonderful king, which is freedom. And I think that that it's sad that the world does not understand that those really are your two options. Mm-hmm. You're a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. Yeah. Either way, you're a slave. Mm. And they've tried to cast those clothes off too. And that the world, God did not create that world. Mm. That world doesn't exist. And so then you're just becoming a slave to sin. Mm. That's, so. that's exactly right. And your body bears that out. That's what I was saying about the uh, dignity includes adornment because our bodies communicate what's in our souls. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's what also we have to teach people is this, these clothes are a communication tool. What are you communicating? Mm. Right. So let, I want to move on to where the comments went on this Twitter thread. Mm-hmm. The first one, I think we covered it already was, or maybe we didn't. Um, the, the most liked comment in the thread, so you had mine and then you had this, uh, I think his comment got way more likes than even my original post. <laughs> and it was basically like, you know what Jesus says to do when men lust, right? Mm-hmm. You need to pluck out your eyes. And so there was that was the first, and that was everyone commenting that, so many people. But this was being commented by people who, they're not Christian, they don't love the Word sure. of God, they know a verse, they, or they Googled it in real time, and they thought it was, this is your our gotcha, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that one I just kind of ignored. You don't really care what the Scriptures have to say at all. Right. Um, but then uh, the, the I would say the second most common critique that I got had to do with the kind of the progressive Christian side of things, coming in and saying, no, that the passage in all the passages in scripture that refer to modesty mm-hmm. are not referring to women tr- keeping men from lusting or uh keeping from dressing sensually yeah. they're addressing uh, ostentatious displays of wealth and so they were saying no the scriptures don't tell women that they can't or that they should watch how how short their skirt is or whatever mm-hmm. it is it warns them against ostentatiously displaying wealth. So what would you say to that Pastor Brooks yeah. and Laura? Um, what does the Bible actually say, and where would you go to point someone that, that to prove to them that the Bible does speak to women not presenting their bodies mm-hmm. and um, even keeping, even helping a brother by preventing yeah, yeah. loss? Yeah. yeah, well, I think the, the first place to go is, is to the text itself. So yeah. let's just read 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 10. It says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. Interestingly, the word for respectable there is is cosmios. Mm. So it's the word where we get the word cosmos from, which means well-ordered, so fitting Mm. apparel, not fitted. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, that's good. Um, With modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness and good works. So obviously that that's where the argument is coming. No, 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 no. Paul was only talking about um, costly attire 
there was no thought in his mind at all about being sexually provocative at all. It was farthest thing from the Apostle Paul's mind. Right. That, that That's just someone who doesn't understand how to read the Bible. Mm. So the Bible, all the Bible is, none of the Bible is written to us, and all of the Bible is written for us. Yeah. Okay? So that, that means you're going to get specific applications for the temptations in Corinth and how that expressed itself culturally there. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to get principles for, for Christians in general. And so, yeah, clearly here, um, it, it was a thing to um, wear costly attire or gold or pearls to have a, a certain status. But he also talks about modesty and fittingness and self-control. And something I, I want to point out that's interesting in this text too, is he talks about men not using their hands to fight, but to, to worship. And then he says, likewise, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel how are, is that connected? Where's mm. the likewise? He doesn't mm. say likewise. Women don't fight each other yeah, yeah. either. What's happening there? Well, I I think I think Paul is highlighting the peculiar glories about men mm. and women and showing them how they can go awry and then giving a way that they could be expressed with godliness. So the, the glory of a young man is his strength, mm. the scriptures say. Um, and so Paul is saying, don't use your strength to fight. That would be the temptation is to think I have this, now I'm going to use it to, to fight. Don't do that. Lift your hands in praise. Likewise, now he's going to look at the woman's superpower, their their glory, which is their beauty, mm. their their hair. Um, even in Corinth, he talks about a woman's hair being being her glory. Don't don't use that to try to get um, unlawful attention or to try to attract people or to become become an attraction. Um, rather be be modest and self-controlled uh, with that, which is which is proper. Um, and so, of course, this has to do with <laughs> being sexually provocative as well, because that's not fitting for a Christian woman. That that is not not modest. So, context, yeah, he's talking about um, lavishing yourself with riches, but of of course, it includes being sexually provocative, uh, also. Well, and I would just have to question whether or not that person that's trying to do that has read the Old Testament, because. The Old Testament is filled with this imagery of nakedness as shameful mm. and adorning as um, holy and righteous and, you know, robes of righteousness. And so I just think the whole spirit of the scriptures is moving you towards um, covering your body in a way that brings glory to God. Mm. And so I, I don't think that person has come to the scriptures with a clean heart yeah. and, and a and a sincere um intellectual honesty. Um I I would yeah, yeah and, just have to ask some questions. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> well, and, and that's also even pastorally who my heart's for. Like I'm really not interested in in responding to the people on on Twitter or, or anybody who's just saying men should all pluck out their eyes and of course scripture wouldn't want women to be bound to any standard. You're just not living in reality. You're mm. you're not even trying to right. come in, into submission. But I, I do feel for the younger Christian gal who who does um, want to grow in godliness, but is being is being lied to. Um, and so my my encouragement for her, for for you, if if you're listening, is if just reading that text, if there's any reaction into in you that 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 is pushing back against that, the one you just read, yeah, yeah, um, we need to hit pause there and mm. and. Talk about that. Who who cares about modesty and all of that conversation? That that comes later. Mm-hmm. But at a fundamental level, why are you resistant to the word of God? Mm. And that's what we need to be confronted with. We we all in our flesh are resistant 
to the Word of God speaking authoritatively and specifically to issues that require me to change. Mm. Um, but yet that's the whole point of the Word of God is, is to sanctify us and to, and to change us and, and to holiness. And, and so I, I would want to encourage that, that sister to, to do a diagnostic. When I read these texts, am, am I quickly trying to explain why they don't apply to me? Mm-hmm. Or am I humbly submitting to them, asking yeah. the Holy Spirit and other godly, mature women to help me apply this to my, to my situation and to help me with blind spots? Um, assuming that I have areas of growth here. I think that's good general wisdom for anyone approaching Scripture because we have these cultural blinders on when we come to the text, and there's going to be rub for us in the Word of God. I like, you know, Doug says, we should have no problem texts Mm -hmm. in Scripture, and that's definitely true, but our heart tends to to have problems with God telling us what to of do. Of course. You know what I'm saying? And so and did, did it, God really say? Exactly. That's, that's the primal. That's temptation. the whole thing. Yeah. And so in different cultures, it's gonna be different. You know, if you brought that text up in a Muslim context, they're gonna, yeah, okay, that makes sure. sense. You know, but then there, there's gonna be other cultural sins that the scripture confronts and calls to, and, and that's where the rub is. So what I tell people is, similarly to what you just said, is when I'm going to Scripture, find those texts that make you go, ugh, yeah. you know, I don't I don't like that. I don't like how that feels. I don't like what that's, <laughs> right. you know, and, and resolve to not have any problem texts right. to say, once I know what this verse really teaches, no problems. Right. I, I, go, I bring my heart into submission to right. King Jesus. Because he's good. Exactly, and he's wise, mm. and his his um, his um, what's it called? Can't think Yoke. of it right now. Yoke really is is easy, we and his burden each other's re- really. Oh, I love that. I love <laughs> really that. is, and yes, I'm so thankful, so thankful that, <laughs> that that you're here. Well, and one thing I'm imagining is we believe that Christian discipleship happens optimally in the home, mm. and so you've got this child, and you have however many years. Um, to teach them what real fitness uh, looks like, mm-hmm. um, the kind that looks out in the world and goes and tries to apply itself well in a well-ordered way. <laughs> and But that isn't everyone's story. And so um, sometimes Christian discipleship um, doesn't happen in the home. You become, you know, you become saved later on in life or whatever and maybe your parents aren't even Christian. And so then the people that are teaching you these principles really are in the church. They're, you know, your Sunday school teachers and your pastor and your accountability leaders. And I think that's where we have to um, be patient with people and let them um, work out that transaction of, mm-hmm. okay, God said it, so I'm going to do it. And then the application of it. So just just getting to the place where, okay, I'm going to be surrendered to living modestly that's step one. How do I actually dress myself if you've never really thought about it, mm. um, you know, tastefully and and um, as fits the occasion, that kind of thing that could be the secondary level of, of discipleship that the church has to um, bend itself to. Mm. I think that sometimes for unbelievers, um, it looks like jumping on a treadmill that's going 100 miles an hour because mm. this Christian culture has been built over time, and they're like, okay, I, I'm ready, ready, ready to jump, but <laughs> it's going so fast. I wouldn't yeah, know that's good. when's my moment, when's yeah. my moment. And I think just seeing that person and um, if if 
you know, if we're just kind of training our minds to, hey, let me put my arm around you and patiently walk with you, talk with you about the scriptures, talk to you about what modesty means, what Pastor Brooks said from the sermon that we can apply those principles in these ways. And then, hey, yeah, I'm available if you need to send me a picture and say, you know, I'm thinking of this or that, which should I choose? And and really help one another, love really one good. another very practically in Christian discipleship. Mm. You know, I think you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So some of these ladies want to follow Christ and they sincerely need someone to hold their hands to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I, that practical piece that's been missing lately in a really big, in a really big way. There's been this, like we even, again, on the last episode talked about this functional antinomianism that really steers away in church, that our church has really steered away over the last several years from practical application mm -hmm. because, well, Jesus did it for you, mm -hmm. right? And then if I get too practical, then, well, you're just being legalistic, mm -hmm. you know? But our hearts, we need that. We need, that's, we need a preacher to, in, uh, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, as he's preparing a sermon, be thinking through how to apply this text to the lives of, our actual on the ground Tuesday morning lives, and so we you you just don't hear a lot of sermons. And I would love to hear what you think about this. You don't hear a lot of sermons that where the pastor says, "Ladies, no more yoga pants." <laughs> like not no more, but you know, but mm -hmm. yeah, if you love Christ, don't wear this. Mm -hmm. Love your brothers enough to intentionally say, "I'm not going to even flirt with the idea of causing my brothers mm -hmm. to stumble." That and then call, calling to modesty. It's easy. I think it's easy to, from a back here, from a broad view, to say, dress modestly. That's not maybe that's not even easy. That's that takes courage even there because mm -hmm. our culture hates it so much. But then to get down into the details, you're looking to go viral. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, what what do you think? Um, should should pastors get into that much detail, or should we really leave that to the elder woman discipling the younger woman, or a mix? What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I I think if the, if there's certain cultural trends like yoga pants, for mm -hmm. instance, or or whatever that have become normalized, um, speaking broadly as far as the culture is doing this, let's let's think through that. Is is it good to, to wear the tightest possible, mm -hmm. most accentuating thing possible out in public? Perhaps that's not modest. Yeah, <laughs> and so just to give that categorical um, worldliness, godliness, mm -hmm. we need to be thinking in those categories. So just because um, the rest of the world wears yoga pants to Starbucks. The yeah. tights as pants movement. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. The, the, the church um, should, should look different. Um, but then also, Titus 2, I, I think that on-the-ground discipleship is best had um, mm. with women um, instructing other women. And so I think my, my encouragement, too, would be, one, young women, um, seek out godly women, mm -hmm. speak into your life, right. and then um, older women, obey Titus 2, and mm. to be um, courageous to speak into the lives inform, cultivate relationships, not just come with a, a bullet point. Okay, so here's all the things we need to work through, but earn their trust. Mm -hmm. um, because so much of this also is is caught as much as it's taught. Yeah. And um, I heard it said, the men build the city, but then the city, city builds the man. Mm. And so that's part of, of what we're trying to do is, is to create a Christian culture. Mm. And then that culture just starts to go to work over the, the long haul. But um, Well, and I think... I don't know how comfortable you would feel talking about yoga pants from the pulpit, but you know, I'm fine with it. But yeah, probably I, <laughs> with it. But but I think also you can talk about are you building culture 
Or are you, uh, what is it Chesterton said, it says about dead things that just float along? Mm. Or are you degrading or destroying what has been built? And mm. I think that we can drop into those categories of, hey, we're going to elevate the place, mm-hmm. or we're just going to look like everybody else, or we're going to downgrade. Mm. We're going to be part of the downgrade. And I think what's been sweet is we have teenagers in our house, and um, there's been this phenomenon of elevating movie theaters. And so sometimes they'll wear suits to go to the movies. Or recently they went to a concert and they wore um, uh, like ball gowns to go to this concert. And, (laughs) you know, I just think if we could give our Christian cultural context that mindset of let's be the builders, let's be the elevators. Mm -hmm. Like we wouldn't even really have to talk about wearing tights as pants because of course you wouldn't be doing (laughs) that. And and, and that's where I I think as Christians, we we need to recapture the category of peculiar glories. Mm -hmm. This is not just about following rules or having a paint by number wardrobe. It is God has given women a specific glory and men a specific glory. And the more you're sanctified and the more the Holy Spirit is at work in you over time, you start to reflect and refract that glory more accurately um, in a way that, that it's, it's, it's a presence that's felt more than a term that's defined on paper. Mm. Um, and, and to have a vision for yeah. that. Again, I, I always go back to, I haven't had my Lord of the Rings um, reference yet. We got to have it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you're probably waiting for, you're probably getting nervous. Yeah, I was, getting, honestly, I was, but I didn't want to say just anything. go and read the section where Frodo wakes up in Rivendell and then he's invited to dinner at, at Elrond's table mm. and him surveying the people at the table. And it is, I think it's one of the most beautiful descriptions of what dignity looks like in men or elves <laughs> and and women mm-hmm. and it's he just does a beautiful job of Frodo's just struck by by how dignified mm. um, these people are in mm. a way that he has never experienced before and, and that's that's the goal it's it's godliness it's it's dignity it, it is God being glorified in how you dress how you speak in your way as Christians proving the power of the gospel not not just not just unto salvation in a justification way but ongoing salvation, on, ongoing redemption, mm. where, where you are imaging God so more good. accurately. The uh, On that note, Brian of Alexandria, a friend, of, uh, a friend on Twitter, he posted in that thread, every, it's a G.K. Chesterton quote, quote, every high civilization decays by forgetting obvious, obvious things. things. I once gave a speech about that. <laughs> really? really? Yeah. I, and, and, that's, and that's what, it seems so obvious that you should dress for the occasion. Yeah. Right. That like this whole conversation really is kind of ridiculous. It's really, <laughs> that it need, needs to be had, but it does actually. It actually does had. need it's to that be had. because we've forgotten obvious yeah. things. We have forgotten obvious things that actually it's better to consider others right. more highly than myself. Right. And right. that can be, and you know, people saying, oh, people on Twitter saying, the Bible doesn't say anything about how you should dress. Absolutely it does. Of course it does. <laughs> you, know, with, you know, the Bible, like similar to what you said earlier, the Bible doesn't speak to everything, but it does speak about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't speak to every individual thing, but all of life is covered mm-hmm. in Scripture, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, it seems so obvious in what you were talking about, about culture building, culture making, and elevating it, that's what we've got to get back to in the church, not looking for the line where I can, mm-hmm. if I can get as close as I can to yeah. that line and then, but not, oh, yeah, you know, avoid it. Yeah. We we need to be going the very way opposite well, and, way. And, and here is, 
another way to just check yourself or, mm. or, or test yourself. Um, let's say that you're um, a gal who's trying on something and you're looking in the mirror and you're trying to discern whether it's appropriate and you find yourself saying, well, at least it's not, or it's not as bad at mm -hmm. already. We're, we're doing it wrong. As, mm. as Christians, we don't rate the fittingness of something based on what is clearly not holy or, or good. Mm. We, we want to have a, a positive beauty. It, we want it to, to be actually fitting, not just less bad than something else. Amen. Did any of the comments get um, into like any sincere questions about, well, how would you even know what to wear? Yeah, this or is Twitter. Oh yeah, it went yeah, everywhere. Yeah, oh. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was okay. there was a there was. A <laughs> I was using that facetiously. Like, of course not. No, no. I mean, it went every direction you can imagine. Because um, you know, all, all the people who are on in my Twitter fam were going to town, like trying to defend and talk about and like you know and um, get the discussion. You know, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, basically, you know, some people saying, well, what can we even wear? So that's the question. Then you know, it's like, is it a burqa? Do we do we have to put on a burqa? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, but yeah. What 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 makes you? What were you thinking when you asked that question? Well, I do think that that is a legitimate question. Like one time, my sister is way better at fashion than I am. Mm. She's legitimately adorns herself beautifully, and I'd bought this terry cloth dress that I thought was adorable, and <laughs> it was actually a bathing suit cover up. And <laughs> I had to be convinced. <laughs> that what I thought I was going to rock out of the house in was a bathing suit cover. But she's like, you don't want to wear that. Faithful that's are the wounds of a friend. I know. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and so she's like, trust me, it's a cover up. And I'm like, it's cute. And she's like, at the beach. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I just, I think everyone needs friends and sisters that are going to help you discern. Is that a beach cover up that I'm mm. about to walk out of here? And, um, cause we do have so many options. Um, but I, I, we were talking about a little bit uh, before the show about the art of this mm -hmm. versus the science of it. And mm -hmm. I had watched a video recently from a Mennonite gal who was explaining why she wears a cape dress. And that is what they have decided um, fits within this model of modesty that the scriptures lay down mm -hmm. is that their elders have decided that that is defined as the cape dress. And when you become a Mennonite, you sign on to um, obey the authority of the elders of the church. And so you mm. wear a cape dress. And she was explaining this, and she didn't have any hostility or animosity. She looked, you know, she looked like a Mennonite in her cape dress. And so we were talking about how it really is more, because we haven't reduced it down in our Christian cultural context to a science, there is some art um, mm -hmm. involved with it. And so it really can be crazy-making when you're actually dressing yourself, mm. like I'm tall. And so things that your wife could wear because she's shorter, I cannot wear. Mm. You know, it would look great on her. And it would look like, wow, you're going to need to add some length to that on me. Mm. And so it really can be crazy making when you're in the dressing room and, you know, you really want to wear the terry cloth little cute pink dress and a beach cover-up you know mm. it's not something to be worn out <laughs> Th that and that even got into that original discussion i had with that lady she's like well just because some women are more curvy does that mean some are th that's not fair that they now they can't you're saying they can't wear this just because god made them that way and i had to say yes yeah. right <laughs> that's that's exactly what i'm saying right. and it, we're not when you're getting into the issue of that's not fair your heart is in the wrong place right right it's envy right. yeah that, that's exactly right yeah. Um, because the goal isn't to be able to wear us all be able to wear the same thing. Like right. you said, we right. have 
peculiar glories. Yeah, exactly. And it's to receive with gratitude who God created you to be. Exactly. And then glorify him the best that you can as you're being sanctified in it. Yeah. Well, and the art part of this is where wisdom comes into play. Mm-hmm. And wisdom isn't a download. I wish it was. <laughs> I wish you could just download Proverbs and then walk into the world and know exactly what to do in every situation. But it's not. It is. Um, it's humble. <laughs> it's humble. Um, and it's teachable. Holy Spirit wrought. It is. Um, it's pietistic. I mean, it takes a long time. It takes faithfulness. It takes humility to let others weigh in. Mm-hmm. Um, and not getting entrenched. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I identify as 5'2". I will wear the miniskirt. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're 5'10". You know, <laughs> yeah. well, and, and it's interesting, too, because I I remember seeing my my grandfather um, mowing. And even I remember thinking to myself, he would even tuck in his shirt when he was mowing. <laughs> you know, his, his boots on, probably mowing. And I just thought, I used to think, oh, it's just kind of novel. Like, he, mm-hmm. he would do that. Um, but now I appreciate it. Sure, tucked in right now. Mm. Nothing you okay. obviously. Right. No, yeah, thank you. So, see, it's about work. It's positive. No, but I, okay, it, it's it. having the humility to say, well, what was that about? And it's mm. because that that was that was dignified. That's that good. that was, um, yeah, he, yeah, it was dignified. He, even when he's he's mowing, and to have the humility to say, well, maybe I, I should think about that. Like, what 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 drove mm. that? Is there something I could learn from that, mm. or is it? Um, well, that's even led me to, I mean, similar dis- realm of discussion. That's even led me to wearing a tie at church or putting on yeah. a blazer at church. That What is fitting for the occasion? You know, I, I came from a church culture that was, you know, tank top and flip-flops. But I, I've now come to this way of thinking that we should be considering others in all areas of life. And that includes elevating by dressing for the occasion, dressing for others, not for comfort. We're so individualistic mm-hmm. that we have come to believe that dressing up or putting on clothes in the morning is one, an act of self-expression, or two, I need for my own comfort. Mm-hmm. Those are the because we're boop, just fully thinking inward instead of how people j- really did used to think, yeah. which was how am I presenting myself to others? How am I honoring other people mm-hmm. by the way that I'm dressing? So now I've been convicted to start wearing nicer clothes to church. And that doesn't mean that everyone needs to put on a suit in every culture and every time or anything yeah. like that. But like what Laura was saying, are we elevating the culture? And I think the elevation of the culture isn't everyone looking, dressing to the nines or something like that. It's not like an expensive suit. The elevation of the culture is considering others and considering what is fitting right. in the way that we present Well, ourselves. and that's a fruit of your Christian walk. It's a fruit of your Christian yeah. heritage. And I think there's also some component in all of this desire to be immodest that is a foolishness that is ungrateful for what has been built. Mm. It is a it is a downgrading. It is it is a downgrading. Mm. And it I think the the heart root of it is a folly that doesn't know to be thankful that you stand on a ceiling that was built up by Christianity. Mm-hmm. And and so I think if you have that mindset of I don't want to take from that. I want to give to that. Um, yeah, I was I was watching. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I think it was a 
Paul Washer on a panel <laughs> last night, and and he was talking about the, the the practical power of the gospel to transform culture, mm. and he said, you know, just just look at the Anglo-Saxon world. You know, a, a, a thousand years ago or so, they were running around naked, painting themselves blue, and hacking each other up, and then a couple hundred years later, after the gospel came, came Bach, mm. <laughs> and and came John Owen, and that wasn't just a happy accident. That was the gospel over generations, producing a more dignified, glorious people. Mm. Well, and I've recently picked up another Elizabeth Elliot book and the story about her life and the way that Jim Elliot, her late husband, was killed. Um, that tribe, before they were Christianized, was referred to as Alka, which means savage in their language. When they became Christian through the efforts of missionaries that gave their lives and and more, and then some, um, they began to clothe themselves mm. and began being called by their true tribal name, which is Walrani. And mm. I just think that that is what we need. That's the transformative power of the gospel is, you know, take off being a slave to sin, be a slave to Christ and put on the robes that he gives to you. Mm. Um, That's good. And learn to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think we talked about this before, but we, this even goes back to the garden I mean, the very first thing, the very first gracious act that God did after they had sinned mm -hmm. was to cover their nakedness, mm -hmm. was to sacrificially, you know, kill an, with animal skins. Yeah, to, to upgrade their robes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had covered up with twigs and leaves, and he's upgraded to leather. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and so, and then, well, that's cool, because you trace that through Scripture, and then now we see that the first, what Christ does for us is he upgrades our attire yes. with the robes of Christ. The robes of righteousness. Um, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I've got one quote I want to read, and, and then we'll look towards ending the discussion yeah. <laughs> here. Uh, um, there's a guy on Twitter, one of my followers, he said, uh, after I made that post, he said, I remember when older women would lay a shawl over a woman's shoulders or lap saying, here you go, dear, you must be chilly. <laughs> um, he's like, there were times someone came in and uh, and the, they were wearing something inappropriately and there were older ladies there who would help them. And that was to help them avoid embarrassment. Mm -hmm. They made a point to, oh, you know, here you look chilly, but, yeah. Yeah, but I'm actually, you, you're taking the hint. But it's avoiding embarrassment. It's discreet, yeah. It was, all the rest. It, it, but it's coming from a, a woman, and like we were talking about in the Titus passage. And so I want to, I want to put you on the spot. Where, what would you? You can be the, you can put the shawl over some women, virtually, and say where, what would you avoid in today's feministic culture? Is there any any particulars that any, like specific clothing? Yeah, even specific articles of clothing that you say, this crosses the line and this is not considering brothers or anything like that. Anything that's popular, yoga pants, we talked about that. But yeah. if not, it's fine. But I just well, thought and I have, spot. We have 16 and 13-year-old daughters, so we're talking about this all the time. And one thing right. I want them to know, so if you're you know new at being a Christian mom, is I want them to know that it is not the global norm to be sleeveless or above the knee in a place of worship mm. so that when your daughter is in a different context, like maybe in Israel or a different country, that she's not like, why would I have to cover my shoulders? I never had to do that in Tennessee. Mm. Um, that I want them to already be thinking that I live here, but there's a big world out there mm. and that the standards are different. And so um, I will often say to them, I'm okay with you wearing something sleeveless. Now, I'm not going to be okay with like a, a strappy but I'm okay with sleeveless. Just I just want you to know that shoulders 
are considered immodest in some cultural contexts. Mm. I want them to know that. Yeah. Um, And so that when they go there, they can uh, easily, with joy, love others well. That's really good. And not be like, I'm free to show my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Absolutely. so, oh, this is hard. That's a um, good. That, that's a good one that a lot of people just don't consider because, you know, in our feministic culture, it's the free. We're, they're pressing everything into the freedom, and we're we're going to err, I think, naturally on uh, on the cultural values of that course. that, that yeah. we currently are steeped in. And so, for you to even say that, I mean, some women will be like, "What?" Shoulder, that is you're probably in the comments like, "Oh my, this woman, <laughs> shoulders? Are you kidding me?" You know, but but that's the thing. What, to what extent are we willing to go to love other people and honor them? Anyway, so if you have any other well, good I, advice I, like I'm that. I'm not sure you brought up the Colossians passage yet, but that's the first one that came to your mind when we even started to bat right. around some ideas, which is what? Which is consider others better than yourself. Yeah, I mean, the, that's... The Philippians, but oh, oh, Colossians is clothe yourself with humility. Yeah, clothe yourself first mm. with what? Humility. Yeah, that's I think great. it's Colossians 3, and he, he says, you know, and all the things that you're to clothe yourself with, compassion and all these things... It really has. It starts out with it has nothing to do with you, and it just continues to go further down the road of it has very little to do with you and your self-expression. And so, you know, as I'm training my teenage daughters, those are the things that I'm highlighting is, you know, consider others and clothe yourself with humility. So if you're feeling yourself rise up when I say, no, that's a beach cover up, then we're probably dealing on a heart level rather than a fashion level. That's good. Right. Um, yeah. And then. You know, specifics, I would say the mini dress is really popular right now, especially for teenage girls. I think you should avoid that. And it's hard because if your kid is in a context where she's going to maybe go to like a homecoming dance, everybody's going to have on a mini dress and you're going to have a hard time finding something that's not a mini dress. It's all they sell. Mm. So you've got to even surround yourself with moms that can help you find where to not buy the mini dress. Yeah, I mean, it gets really tricky. Um. I think uh, something that I'm a little wary of is um, the the fashion. Um, I mean, the, it's all so subjective. Totally. I, I I just think you know things that are strappy, things that um, expose the parts of your body um, that really should be for the delight of your future spouse or your current spouse. Mm-hmm. I think I would be really careful about those things. And I listened to um, Bright Hearth, mm-hmm. uh, the podcast, and I heard them say, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that when the Bible's talking about nakedness, it's talking about the zone between your knees and your shoulders. Mm. And so that's mm. that could be where we get those things yeah. of below the knee, uh, you know, things need to be at or below the knee and shoulders need to be covered that's is good. because that maybe used to be the biblical definition we don't adhere to that as strictly at our home, but I don't think it's a bad idea. Mm. I think that um, anything above the knee or below the shoulders, you're getting into that zone of sexual exposure, body parts that are just designed to be desirous sexually. And I think that you need to be very careful um, with that. Well, and what you brought up that definition at the beginning, Brooks, was to be attractive, but not an attraction like, what am I drawing attention to? What am I accentuating? Um, and that, and and I put you on the spot to say, is, is there any specifics that you had been thinking of? But really, it goes back to this whole discussion, which is how are we applying biblical wisdom 
and exercising the freedom in Christ and the desire to obey his word in all things. Yeah. Um, well, and I'll say, too, for the person that's like, I bet her kids, you know, feel like they're just not able to dress like mm. they want to. Um, we were recently in a different Christian context, and I know that the girls in that context are going to be dressing a different and very particular way, but my daughter didn't realize that. And I should have gotten out in front of it and helped her make a choice that would help her feel less. Uh, she stuck out, but because it was a little a little more homely, what she had picked out to wear. And I wish I had said, you know, let's go with a bright pink option, mm. like something brighter. Because what I want you to hear me saying is it's not just, you know, are you showing too much skin, but do you fit the occasion? I think in That's that good. context, everyone would have felt more comfortable if we had just kind of kicked up the brightness of the color or something, she just, it just didn't fit the occasion. Mm. And I felt like as her mother, that was my responsibility to say, let me see what you're going to wear at this event. And let me make sure that it's within kind of where everyone else is going to be so that it looks fitting. That's so good. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole deeper call to mothers to just say, and, and fathers, you're not just policing what this, how much skin they're showing, right. but you're actually saying, okay, how how do I help you really understand and love to present yourself in a yeah. fitting way? Well, yeah, and then, and that's even for Jonathan Edwards. That really was his working definition of beauty, as far as I understand it. Mm. Um, presenting your most whatever is the most fitting thing for that situation. That's and great. so I felt like I had not loved her well in that situation mm. because she did kind of stand out because she. It didn't fit with what we were, you know. What, and she didn't know what, what was. And we she were, had yeah. no idea. Yeah. And so I did feel a little like I had not loved her well. Mm. Um, so it's more than just hemlines and necklines and straps and spandex. It's, it is a very holistic uh, responsibility it's for really a Christian good. mother and for the ladies of the church. And, you know, maybe somebody needs to be crocheting some shawls. Mm. And that's okay. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, I think uh, you guys have anything to add from there. I think we have used all of our words. <laughs> yeah, I think we have. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, this whole conversation is really good because I feel like we we went from a discussion about modesty to really elevating it to what what is fitting for the occasion, what honors Christ. Let's not. We're not trying to get into the de details necessarily about uh, how far can I go. Mm -hmm. You know, we got some good wisdom from some good things to avoid. But the the heart is to honor God in what we wear. Yeah, and I, I think I, I do have one last thing I'll, I'll say, and this is just kind of random. It's not a perhaps direct application, but I do think it's something. Um, when Jesus encounters the uh, demoniac, mm. he's just naked, cutting himself, living amongst the dead, and when Jesus, through his power, um, released him of that demon, um, how did the entire thing end? It said that he was at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> and so that's just a beautiful picture. Fruit of the gospel. Yeah, clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> Ladies, Christ can clothe you and get you back in your right mind. And that's, what, that's the fruit of a gospel-centered culture that is going from the center out into the edges, you know, a true gospel centrality that gets out into every yeah, aspect of life. So with that, we're going to end the podcast on that note. So, dear viewer, we give you our charge to build, defend, and expand the kingdom of our Lord, Jesus Christ. <laughs>